As an occasional vegan, that makes me really angry. Hello, everyone. Welcome to Irenacast. I'm your host, Jeff, and with me, as always, is my brother-in-law, Alan, and his cousin, Mona. We are post-evangelical ministers and theological thinkers grappling with our place in the progressive Christian world. Thank you so much for joining us for another conversation on faith and culture. This week, we are going to be talking about the rise of bills and political rhetoric surrounding the whole transgender bathroom issue that seems to um, have reared its ugly head in this election cycle. And after our conversation, we are going to be doing a segment called Wacky News. So for this conversation, I think we should start obviously by framing what we're talking about. Specifically, I think the main bill that we're looking at is the North Carolina is HB2 bill, correct? Yeah, so like Jeff said, we're we're talking today about and this is very easy to get, you know, confused with all the the technical bill policy stuff, but we're going to try to make it an accessible conversation to talk today about a group of bills in several different states, um mostly last year and now this year that are systematically reversing civil rights or implementing um vast protections for people who want to discriminate against uh, particularly LGBTQ individuals, but this also goes to uh, affecting minorities and people of different races and ethnicities too. So we're, Alan and I, we're going to start by giving a brief overview of a couple of examples of these bills that have been really heinous. The most famous one recently has been North Carolina. And Alan, was you were looking up stats on that one, right? Yeah. Uh, the North Carolina House Bill 2 is what it's called was passed. And like you said, it affects a lot of different things. But one of the biggest parts of the bill that's most contentious is that it uh, bans individuals from using public bathrooms that do not correspond to their biological sex, literally the sex that's on their birth certificate. So uh, it undoes all local laws and says cities and stuff are not allowed to pass anti-discrimination laws when it comes to their bathrooms um, and that they have to respect the statewide ban on transgender people using the bathroom that they identify with. And all of that was, yeah, all of that was done in response to the city of Charlotte. Really, that's what started this whole thing. The city of, of Charlotte, the council voted in favor for adding transgender people into their anti-discrimination laws. And so it triggered this massive pushback by Republicans at the state level and now at the national level. Yeah. And we'll get into the reasons for for the reason, like the rhetoric of fear that's being used uh, to prop up these bills. But I want to give a couple of other examples. Uh, Missouri last year, so not in the South, which is typically like Bible Belt is kind of known for where a lot of these uh, issues are are most hotly contested. But uh, Missouri recently last year passed a bill prohibiting um, the creation of gender neutral bathrooms which is a weird way to go about it right so wait really yeah (laughs) i didn't hear about that yeah and then um really recently this month actually mississippi passed a bill that's even worse than the bill alan was just describing um and i just want to touch on a few things um it has religious exemption for denying people housing and jobs In, in addition to the bathroom issue uh you can refuse services uh, to gay people, specifically wedding services, you can prov- you can uh, parents can uh, do conversion therapy on their adopted and foster children if their kids are suspected of being trans transgender. Um, it grants organizations immunity from enforcing uh, for enforcing bathroom standards, so it doesn't actually stipulate the bathroom standard itself, but it says that you can't prosecute like schools or institutions for enforcing bathroom policies. So that opens a huge can of worms, right? It also pr- th- this this just blew my mind. It also gives immunity to physicians who refuse to treat. LGBTQ individuals and denies people in vitro fertilization rights and gives immunity to clerks and justices to not perform legal, you know, because gay marriage is legal now, so they cannot perform legal ceremonies and they can't be prosecuted. And uh, uh, so it's just... And all of this is in addition to a Religious Freedom Act that was already passed last year by the state. So Mm -hmm. this legislation is ballooning in a lot of different areas. And now in Texas, they're talking about a bill uh, that has not passed, but is pending um, to fine people up to uh, $500 for using the wrong bathroom. 
$500 for one bathroom use. So we're really talking about, in my opinion, a crisis of civil rights. And that is not mm -hmm. often talked about, actually, unless, uh, in my experience, uh, unless it's people who are legit, um, directly affected, right, by these policies, which is really sad. Yeah. So, And Tennessee has also moved forward a bill specific towards students. So in schools and campuses, uh, it, it has not passed, but it has moved forward to you have to go to the bathroom that you are, um, not that you identify with, but you were born genetically with. Yeah. So how do they mm. measure that is like the first question, because I was reading a bill that did not pass that got tabled, but it was pre presented in Indiana that they were going to they were going to base this on people's chromosomes. Like how in the world do you regulate people's chromosomes? I don't know what my chromosomes are. I mean, assume they're female chromosomes, but who knows? I could have an extra <laughs> one dangling in there like it. It, it presumes that intersex people don't exist or that biological abnormalities don't exist. And we literally live in a binary world when science is like, you don't even have to be like an evolutionary scientist or believe in like, you know, evolution or any of that to just recognize the simple biological fact that DNA holds different types of chromosomes from the, the typical XX or XY. Right. So how, Absolutely. how can you regulate yeah. that? It's crazy. Easy. Well, you stop and not only that, at the DNA level. Oh my God. That's it. But not, but even the DNA level doesn't accomplish that. Like you have, I've heard, seen different statistics, but anywhere from one in fifteen hundred to one in two thousand births are intersex or gen, gender ambiguous. So that's if you live in an area. Well, I live in an area of about one hundred fifty thousand people. That's anywhere from seventy five to one hundred twenty five people. Like we can say like it's less than this percent, but I think that diminishes its effect that there are groups of people who are genuinely affected by this. And even before this, we have a whole generation of people who were gender ambiguous that all the doctor could do or the parents was, well, we'll just choose this gender for them. And then they go through their life and they realize that they're attracted to the same gender or and they, they come out as gay or whatever and then realize, well, no, I'm actually attracted to the opposite gender, but because my gender was chosen for me because there was it's it's all it's a mess and it's especially in a country like ours that touts freedom of individual and creating space for everyone this is uh, i don't even have the words i mean this is ridiculous to mm -hmm. to isolate that amount of people for something that most of the people that are making these laws are completely ignorant to the diversity among genders with within all of this kind of thing yeah yeah absolutely and so to, to get the language specific, so my trans friends are uh, very um, adamant that we say um, gender assigned at birth. That's the language that the mm -hmm. queer community currently um, prefers. So there's the gender you are assigned at birth. So like 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 you said, Jeff, some you know sometimes if a baby comes out and the gender is not clear to the parents or the doctor, the doctor will just slap a gender on or like sometimes talk to the parents, but sometimes not. They'll just decide that that child is that gender, and often they'll give the child reconstructive surgery long before the child is even able to consent mm -hmm. to that or not. That's very common. And like you said, Jeff, one in a thousand. Like it's it's really it's really likely that you know someone who's intersexed. Um. So so that and. And then there's also transgender. So there's gender assigned at birth. And then that is not the gender that someone identifies with culturally or psychologically. Um, and that's where you, you get transgender uh, individuals. So, and that's separate from who you might um, prefer as a sexual partner. So there's sexuality and gender. They, they overlap in some ways, but they also don't. So like I have a um, transgender male friend so assigned female at birth but is male transgender and that person uh dates men so is that person gay is that person straight like that's where it gets really complicated um so that's the thing regulating this stuff becomes at a point completely ridiculous <laughs> yeah and it's usually done with the rhetoric of fear and the the biggest the biggest inconsistency for me in all of this is that they are there are people pushing these laws because they're afraid of the physical possession of the bodies of, quote unquote, the women in their lives. My daughter, my wife is going to the bathroom. <clears throat> you see this all the time. And I don't want some man who identifies as a woman coming in and preying upon them. But what what the people who pass the laws don't realize is that they are opening up a window for the government to physically possess the bodies of people who are transgender. So you see videos coming out of people who are in the wrong bathroom or even people who are 
female in a female bathroom but they don't look like it getting grabbed by security guards and ejected and oh my god that made me cry watching that happen (laughs) yeah oh my god yeah or testimonies or testimonies of i saw um one of the plaintiffs in north carolina i don't remember their name at the moment um but is transgender male so assigned female at birth and male um identifies as male and they were saying they have to choose every day from getting like beat up or harassed like if they go to the male bathroom they don't quite fit and so they get harassed and if they go to the female bathroom they've gotten assaulted physically assaulted for being there because they look like a boy in the girl's bathroom and so Mm -hmm. going to the bathroom which is like a basic human necessity every time that happens it's a moment of fear for these individuals because they don't know where to go and they don't feel safe like that's what i think people have a hard time wrapping their minds around The bathroom. Yeah, I, the I, bathroom. You're, you're so people are so worried about protecting their children against people who pretend to be transgender that they forgot to protect their children who might be transgender. Mm. You know, we, we we forget to protect the people who are at risk. I mean, there there's been studies done that transgender population, at least in our country, is an at risk minority. They face violence and, and persecution, whereas in other uh, other societies, historically, intersex and transgendered people have had a place of honor and respectability in, in a society. Ours has been nothing but persecution for our you know whole history long. So it's if 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 it's a question of fear and protecting people, I just want to let at least my Christian family out there know that we are failing to see how this affects individuals. Except for the ones in our minds, right? We we think criminals are going to take advantage of the anti discrimination laws, which is just kind of, I don't know, it's kind of crazy, <laughs> in yeah. my opinion. Well, the guise of protection. I mean, I don't know. Let's be honest. It's ridiculous. Like it is. It is. It's the same tactics that when we talk about like terrorism and all that kind of stuff, where you have you you t- you hold on to this one thing and you use it as this default reason for putting this forward so that you're somewhat justified in your discrimination and your hate and all that kind of stuff or whatever it is like it's i I don't even want to say hate for some people i think it's just plain ignorance like i said before like no one's really taking the time to find out the nuance of this particular issue and and no one's figuring out any way on how to include people like it would be one thing if the rhetoric was surrounded around like, okay, here's a problem. Here's what I want to do. But wh- how do we begin to have a dialogue and what's a good solution for all this if we're going to all share a public space? But that's not it. It's here's what we're always done. Here's the way we've always been. And we need to make sure that we protect our quote unquote traditions mm-hmm. and move forward from there. And we do it under the guise of quote unquote protecting them from some sexual predator, which statistically less likely to be anyone who's transgender or even you know on the even homosexual or gay or whatever you you're you're talking about people uh protecting their faith traditions or whatever in this and and that really what it that, that's what it boils down to is that there are some people who believe being transgender is a choice and it's a wrong choice and we need to combat that at the government level what's really sad is I look at my faith tradition and I see radical hospitality being the main default setting of my tradition. And so when I oh, see yeah. when I see my faith being used against people and used to support in hospitality, it just it drives me crazy. It makes me really angry. Well, and the harder and the 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 tighter we hold on to specific definitions of what gender is the more space we're creating for transgender because we're saying this is what a male is this is what a female is and if you don't fit these categories then you're forcing people into a place of other yeah and so you're saying it's more liquid and the more we put definitions and binaries out there it's going to force people into these weird um contested areas whereas if we looked at sexuality and gender being a little bit more fluid it would benefit our whole society. Yeah. I mean, I think so. We've talked about two categories so far and we've thrown around the word transgender. So just to get our definition straight. So intersex Mm -hmm. is, um, someone who who biologically does not fall into a binary transgender is someone who is assigned one gender at birth and has transitioned to a different gender and mm-hmm. gender queer is a third category that we haven't addressed that also affects these bills also affect a lot of gender queer people who have ambiguous intentionally ambiguous or third gender you might remember the interview we did with nathan way at the beginning of the show last year um someone who doesn't identify as male or female where do those people go um and what this bill does is it opens up individuals of any type that don't visually identify as the gender bathroom that they're in uh, as as being policed. And the effect of this is that 
even if, okay, so let's even say that someone who is gender, transgender or genderqueer um, goes to a school where there's gender neutral bathrooms or there's, there's gender friendly bathrooms and goes to a church where there's gender neutral and gender friendly bathrooms, but they can't walk down to the local grocery store because they're not sure if they can go to the bathroom there. Like that means that they're policing themselves and afraid to go out of known areas and explore their world because they're not sure if they're going to be discriminated against. Like the amount of fear um, that this has fostered in these communities is unbelievable. And I have friends who've been affected by this and have told me how, how terrified they are that this could become an, you know, that this is becoming a nationwide phenomenon. Um, there's just Rachel, certain places Rachel, they can't go. Yeah. yeah. Okay. Go ahead. Rachel Held Evans talked about that exactly how it's affecting the wider transgender community. She pointed to the fact that calls to suicide hotlines for transgender people have doubled since these bills have been passed and all of the hateful online rhetoric and fear-based rhetoric have affected them. Oh so it's, God. yeah, it's, t- it's really affecting real people, you not know, the imaginary situations where that we have in our, our minds. Cause we can't, you know, we can't have like overt hate speech for the most part. We do have it in this country, but like racism and sexism no longer look like the KKK wearing white sheets and parading around. You know what it looks like telling people through many means that they're not welcome here by simple measures. Like you can't even go to the bathroom and be considered a human being and have, mm. and feel safe while relieving yourself, you know? Um, so I think it, it's really important to look at that as a microaggression as being indicative of a larger systemic uh, problem that people have allowed themselves to be complicit in. Um, so it, it's fe- it's yeah. incredibly the infuriating. The fear is that the, the, the community is going to be welcoming to people that you're not welcoming to. That's why they got so upset in Charlotte and, and other places is that when your community says, we're going to welcome these people and let them know that they're not going to be discriminated against in the public sector you get people really upset because they don't want those people or those ideas or their life's quote unquote lifestyles. They don't want that welcome in their communities. So it's honestly hardly different than one ethnic group getting upset when a different minority or other ethnicity moves into their neighborhood and they form a petition. It's, it's like it is civil rights. And that's the thing. If you say that transgender and, uh, gender identity issues are not civil right issues, then you're writing off a whole bunch of people. And that's, that, that's the big disagreement right now. 50 years ago, say that's not f- sorry. 50 years ago, we had to pass a, <laughs> an act by Congress that said that you can't like block black people from using bathrooms and water fountains. And now we're in the same exact position, mm. but the face of it has changed. Like, how is it different? How is it different? I, and I, I've really been personally people challenged. People would say it's a choice. That's it. They would just say it's a choice. It's a choice to and, be and, transgender. And- <laughs> oh my God. I, I, I've yeah. been recently challenged on this too, because even in liberal land, right? I live in Boston and um, I, I was uh, recently having a conversation with a genderqueer friend of mine and the school where we go to is uh, has implemented a gender neutral bathroom, which is awesome. So there's, you know, most of the time in, in the building where our school is, there's uh, male and female bathrooms, but they've implemented, they, they've sectioned off a, a corner of the first floor in a prominent place for gender m- neutral and uh, wheelchair accessible bathroom. That's like a nice big space for um, people to be able to use if they don't fit into a binary but amongst the the student population, this has started jokingly being referred to as the poop bathroom because it's private and it's a place where you can go like be alone and not have to be in a stall or a urinal to do your business. And this genderqueer person was talking about how hurtful that was to them because they, you know, they felt like it was a long fight to get that space and they felt like very respected, like it was a symbol for them of safety and to have it be degraded as just calling the poop bathroom that people just go in there to have, you know, to basically uh, appropriate that space for themselves and not recognize that people need to use it if they're genderqueer. Like that was very hurtful for them. So even, you know, even in like liberal circles, I think civil rights can be um complicated too, you know? That's why anti-discrimination laws are important. Right. You said 50 years ago, it was important to address some radical problems our country had. Yeah. That were very obvious. And we're facing it right now. And unless and, and you think uh, gender identity or the, the sexual uh, preferences that you have are completely your choice, I would like you to just choose the opposite for a day. <laughs> you know what I mean? Dress and or, drag? Or like close your eyes. Yeah. Well, I, I mean, like some people say, oh, uh, being this way is a choice 
And my retort to that is like, did you choose who you were attracted to? No. Did you choose how, you know, you express your identity or how your gender makeup, you know, affects you in the world? No. And it's the same thing with beliefs. I, I feel like uh, people say belief is just a choice or this is just a choice. And if you close your eyes and pretend you're on a roller coaster, it does. It's, it, you can't convince yourself that you're on a roller coaster. You know what I mean? So really what people are doing is they are asking if, if you are for these bills, if you are for making transgender people the other, the outsider, the unnormal, the wrong or whatever, what, what you are doing is you are asking people to go against the things that they believe to make yourself comfortable. And that history is very unfortunate. Okay, so just to right? counter argue though, that's so that's where people say like, you know, we have to protect our women and children, you know. So let's talk about that for let, I want to revisit yeah. that for just yes. a sec cuz I, I think that that would be the first response Alan, to what you just said. Um mm. there there are no known instances of people dressing up in transgender in order to assault somebody of the opposite sex that we really know of. Like it's not a problem now. And so the idea that you can preventatively prevent crime through these bills, like that's, that's the foremost rhetoric that's pushing these things through that we have to prevent these these evil things from happening, but they haven't happened in the past. So what makes us think that they're going to happen in the future? It's, you know, yes, public restrooms can be sites of assault, but oftentimes it's not, it's never no, been known to be a transgender person. Then that's the thing. Like transgender people are often confused horrifically for pedophiles and predators. And actually, statistically, the rates of of predator behavior in those communities are much lower than the national average, much mm-hmm. lower, including domestic violence, like in lesbian communities. I mean, there, there's just there's so many weird um weird myths about communities of of people of different genders and sexualities that really but if you tease that out more that's not it's not what a lot of people are saying they're the i I, to my knowledge the people who pass these bills and support them are not saying transgender people will come into a bathroom and assault someone what they are saying is people males who are straight and who are cisgendered which means they they identify with the birth sex that they were assigned at birth um they will take advantage of laws that allow them to go into female restrooms to do um, predatory behavior. So it's like n- nobody's really saying transgender people are going to create crimes. It's that people who are not transgender are going to use this law in their favor. And and, and okay, what so I want to say to that them for is doing like, that. <laughs> I know, <laughs> right? What I want to say that is if somebody still commits a crime, but they're using anti discrimination to do it, it's still a crime. You know what I mean? Like crime is going to happen literally no matter what. That that that's the rhetoric that the same uh cohort of people say about uh gun control and carry concealed permits, right? Like everyone's always going to have a gun, the criminals will always be using it, whatever. And and my response is the same thing, I guess. You're going to have voyeurs and people who do inappropriate things, criminal activity whether these bills pass or not, right? It's right. just it, it's going to happen and prosecute that crime. But don't don't use that as a basis to deny people civil rights. That's the that's the real issue. Yeah, I I I want to make mention though that actually there is evidence to suggest. I've been doing a lot of research lately on crime and cr- criminal justice for my schoolwork, but there's evidence to ju- suggest that something called the brutalization effect is, comes into play mm. with legislation. And an example of the brutalization effect, basically what it means is that legislation can come sometimes cause the crime that it's seeking to route. So, for example, in the state of New York, there's a direct correlation that every time someone is put to death under capital punishment, under the death penalty, there are additional homicides that month. Like on average, there are always additional homicides in the state. And it it suggests that when the state uses violence or coercion or force to police or punish its citizens, it heightens social anxiety and causes more of the same types of crimes that it's seeking to put it into. So ideas of deterrence, actually criminal philosophers and criminal theorists will say that actually works in the inverse a lot of times. So it's possible that passing these laws can actually make people more violent toward each other in these spaces because there's heightened social anxiety around gender and policing. So it it's, that has to be true. Is the brutal <laughs> yeah, the but brutalization that's the problem. Effect. That's the problem is that our 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 lawmakers, politicians are not 
are not lawyers. You know, they're not studying law. They're studying on how to bring up their poll numbers. They're studying to do this. I mean, if we are so behind just in lawmaking when it comes to technology, like an, like an iPhone that has a manual and specific ways on how to, you know, operate this piece of system, like how much more behind are we when it comes to these new nuances of how people live and who they are in and out? And that's, that's the problem is that, we're not looking at like we're relying on laws to solve these problems for us, but all it's going to do is create more problems because these laws can't enact nuance. Like, where what do we do in our society when we need to create an environment, a culture, not a law and uh, a set of rules? Yeah, there there's a famous thought experiment created by a guy named John Rawls, who's a political theorist. Uh, and, and this has some issues, which I'll, I can speak to in a minute. Maybe we can debate about it. But, um, the thought experiment is called the veil of ignorance. And he said, you know, what would, let's pretend like this has problems with it. So just bear with me for a sec. He, his, his work was a, a few decades ago, but he said, let's pretend that we're all disembodied souls up in heaven or something. This is a gross, like, uh, you know, oversimplification of this, but this is how it goes. <laughs> We're all disembodied souls in heaven and you're going to be sent to earth and you don't know what body you're going to end up in. And given the fact that you don't know, you could be anyone. You could be Native American. You can be a prisoner on death row. You could be a paraplegic. You could be anyone. You could be the president. You could be anyone, anyone with any skin and any ability and any location. If that were the case and you didn't know where you're going to go, what kind of world would you design? Yeah. I love that. You love it? Well, I mean, okay. I, I do because I think there are some people who would never even think in those categories in broader, so like step outside of themselves. It kind Obviously, of. Obviously, there's like. Yeah. It kind of <laughs> causes, it forces people to empathize in a different way, yeah. I think. But yeah. it presumes that you can also know other people's experiences or what it would be like that's to true. do them, which is problematic. Mm-hmm. So take it for a sure. grain of salt. But I think that's the question we're kind of circling around is is creating a world where everyone feels at least safe for basic human necessities, right? Yeah. Instead of a world where the ruling mass is the one that makes the choices, that there are people who are not a part of the norm that still have a space in that community. Yeah. Like I, yeah. And norm, you know, the word norm is really interesting. A lot of philosophers in the last few decades have taken up this idea of like, what are norms? Where do they come from? But they, <laughs> so a norm presumes like a kind of a statistical average um, and something that's considered normal, but it always presumes that there are things that are outside the norm that exist, right? Because otherwise it would yeah. be universal, right? So universal would encompass 100% of the sample size. A norm is like 80 or 90% of the sample size, let's say. But there's always those margins, those fringes on the outside of people who don't fall into that category, such as non-binary gender people. Um, and so you can, you know, I don't think... I think it's a faulty assumption to say, well, if we let transgender people in, quote unquote, or we let queer people in or intersex people in to the norm, then we have to completely erase our gender binaries that we like. But that's not true. Like, th- that's what queer people are not trying to take away your male and femaleness mm. for the most part. Some, pe- some people maybe are trying to say that the whole <laughs> thing needs to be thrown under the bus. But those yeah. individuals are not trying to change you. They're just trying to have space to be humans, right? So I think that's a really important point to me is like being inclusive doesn't mean you have to change your identity, your identity. It's just letting other people determine theirs. Yeah. That's it. Yeah, that's it. You know, I, I just want to say one more thing before before we move on to other parts of the conversation or to the segment. If just thinking, doing our own little thought experiment, there are people who have transitioned from male to female or from female to male, whatever. And if they went into the bathroom that is on their birth certificate, they would be unsafe. Yeah. And the people in that bathroom would also feel unsafe because of the way that they're expressing their gender. There are some people who have transitioned to male. If they went into a female quote unquote bathroom, it it, it would cause an uproar. Nobody would feel safe. Yeah. Yeah, exactly. So I, I the very problems that we're seeking to avoid we're creating with these kinds of bills. So, and how do you and, and you, you know what? Also, an unenforceable law shouldn't be a law. That's just my opinion. I think if you have a law that cannot be enforced, it should not be on the books. And what are people mm-hmm. going to do? How do you enforce this kind of law? Who carries their birth certificate around or like are you going to police people's genitalia? That seems like a little excessive to me, right? 
That yeah. seems like or that it's so invasive to enforce that it violates other laws. You know, what yeah, I mean? like there's absolutely. Yeah. So, so let me Personal ask you security. guys. Um, I, I've heard some people saying, well, the answer maybe is just to do away with all gendered bathrooms and have all gender bathrooms neutral. Like, how would you guys feel about using a stall next to a lady? Would that make you really uncomfortable? Some people are like viciously uncomfortable with hmm. this. Well, I'm uncomfortable with stalls in the first place. <laughs> I don't care who's on the other side of that. Like, I put in a damn wall because that's. But that's just me. No, I I agree with you. When I when I go into a a really nice restaurant, right, and they have like actual walls and an actual door to the stall, it's like heaven. It's like my own little room to like you know. I can tell yeah. you why it makes me feel uncomfortable. I enjoy the privilege at like baseball games of just going straight into the bathroom when all the ladies have to wait for like an hour. Okay. <laughs> I do. Okay. Yeah. Except for in baseball games, you have to piss into a trough. That is true. With it's like, like a big bathtub. A bunch of other <laughs> people there. Trough? That's nuts. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Yeah. It's a trough. I, I started, it's disgusting. Uh, we had those in kindergarten. Ew. And now they're Now you basically find them at baseball games or old churches. Yeah. That's nasty. <laughs> it's not a urinal. It's a trough. I'm still trying to understand. It's a giant trough. It's a giant trough that everybody pees into. Yeah. <laughs> Uh, that exists. I just think that if we're if we're thinking about like the designs of bathrooms, like you go into an let's let's, let's use a large department store as an example. You know, you have this row of sinks and you have this row of stalls. And if you're in a male bathroom, you have a row of urinals and all that kind of stuff. First of all, why do we even need urinals? Just do away with it. Doesn't make any sense. We could just do the same thing on the other thing. We don't need a specialized you know, thing for standing up and just make like make small airport size bathrooms with individual <laughs> doors, individual rooms, the the size of a closet that just goes around and you just pick a door that's open. Well, I don't understand the problem with that because it's not like you need this huge, luxurious space, except for maybe like a um, wheelchair access. Someone who's who's disabled. Yeah. yeah at the end, it's a little bit larger. But it costs but, more like, to do that. <laughs> I don't think it would. I, I honestly we have a really smart people that are architects <laughs> and they come up with all these amazing things on how to redesign things for for way cheaper and it's not like we need to put a lot of money and time like with all the other stuff like how i, I can't imagine that it's cheaper to put in a stainless steel stall than it is to put in a wall with drywall and wood. Like just the materials alone, it's less expensive to do that. I can't imagine it's cheaper to fight all these stupid, costly legal battles with all these lawyers yep. making boo bucks and all these policymakers making boo bucks. And all actually, North Carolina, a bunch of uh, companies have left and they've lost like they've lost business and their economy's taken a huge hit because of this um, bill. So I can't imagine that that would be less cost effective than just building bathrooms. Like you said, Jeff, where everybody feels comfortable and you have your own space. <laughs> like it's yeah. not that big of a deal. What, what, what you're saying is direct your uh, fear in the right direction. If yeah. you're concerned about people being cr- like criminalized in public bathrooms, be a part of a solution that doesn't, nitpick at a tiny <laughs> group of people and these fanciful scenarios of what might happen look at what actually happens mm-hmm. and yeah get upset and and make make changes that are going to benefit all kinds of people because the truth is there are female pedophiles there are boys that are uh criminalized in bathrooms by men and if you're worried about all that stuff like yeah go ahead and fight it get upset and make some changes but this this what we're doing right now is hurting people and it's not curbing a crime wave it's like there's this giant crime wave of people who are dressed like you said dressing up as transgender or using some sort of loophole no we don't have any instances of that it's not a crime wave. no it's not a response to a crime wave yeah it's not it's not so it's so if, it's it's wrongheaded. So if you're listening sure. right now and like say, you know, your church on Sunday or your b- place of business doesn't have a gender inclusive bathroom, like go check out the bathroom situation. Like would someone who doesn't fall into a gender binary feel comfortable visiting your church mm. and yeah. would they feel welcome? Like the, those things, those material provisions are like you said, Alan, like part of radical hospitality. And that could mean so much mm. to someone to be able to come to a place where they feel like they can you know, be safe and and be comfortable. So absolutely. And if you think this is just a funny topic, you're going to post memes online and you're going to like make some sort of comment and say, I'm going to stand at the front of my bathroom with a gun while my wife and my daughter go in there and blah, 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 blah. Realize that your rhetoric has consequences. Yeah. Like we said, more suit calls to the suicide hotline. And it's not just because of the bills. It's because of us. 
It's because of the way we've talked about this topic as if it was a topic and not people. And yeah. That's always the problem. Yeah, because really the people crafting these bills are like a handful of lawmakers, right? They're, they're actually, they're, they say they represent the people, but they don't actually. And there's a ton of mm. North Carolinians and Mississippians that don't agree with this bill. But I think it's the perception that there are mass amounts of people who are uh, against their person is what makes, creates that fear for Well, there kind people. of are. <laughs> there are. If, if you look at my, but there's not that many. Feed, oh my goodness. Really? Well, there, there are. There's one meme that's that's gone around that I've seen that that made me chuckle. Is that I'm not worried about someone transgender coming to the bathroom, but someone who's carrying a concealed weapon. Yeah, I'm much <laughs> more worried about. Like, yeah, and and that's the Good thing word. is that it's picking and choosing which safety is important to you, and that's that's the problem with when we judge anything on safety because safety is based off of our personal experiences. We don't really, with the exception of you know war and, and major disasters, we don't really have a unified thing on what makes each of us feel safe because it's yeah. totally dictated on our personal experience and what we've encountered, and we can't universalize that. Like, you know, my, my sister is afraid of certain things, and my wife is afraid of certain things, and I'm afraid of certain things, and none of those things are going to be unified, and I can't create an environment where all those things... Are, are universal to each and every one of us. And the problem is, is that it's an inconsistent rhetoric on the other side as well. Like you're saying, we need to give people the, the right to choose what they want for the safety of others. Well, and we've talked about this before, but what about the safety of the person that's getting dragged out of the bathroom because exactly. they don't look a certain way or yep. they don't meet a certain way? And that's the problem when we use this rhetoric because it's so specific to so so many different people and what they consider safe is that there's no way to come to a middle ground. All it's going to do is create a greater divide. And I think that's just indicative of this political season in general. And it's astounding to me that this continues to happen. And every time we turn around, I feel like it, it's astounding to me. It's not just for how horrific it is, it, it, the way it, it views people who are not quote unquote normal, but to me, as I read the Constitution and the founding of our country that's based on innocent until proven guilty, we have yeah. the opposite attitude toward people we fear in this country or we're taught to fear. And we criminalize people quickly before they've done anything wrong as a preventative measure. And I'm talking about people of color, people of different genders and sexualities, all kinds of people. We just, you know, people they're who are accused in the courtroom, anyone. They're already, they're, they're guilt. Yeah. Yeah. They're we're, already we're guilty. Before, mm -hmm. before they've done anything or before it's proven, you know. So I think we really need to take a step back and say, like, how much do we value our actual democracy that, that is based on actual legal process and not just have these witch hunts, you know? It's scary. It scares the well, crap out of me. It, it's consistent, at least. When we as a nation decided to preemptively bomb another country, it was over. Hmm. I, honestly, this scandalized our entire generation. Hmm. All we are are people who preemptively strike. That's yeah. it. Well, God forbid that we should be criminalized because we were unwilling to hurt or kill or maim someone before they did the same to us. Isn't that you know? just animalistic? You know, like that's that's how people that's how like animals act yeah. in the wild. They'll attack because they're afraid. They don't yeah. have the ability to reason and to gauge a situation and to talk with another person and figure it out that's an animal response like we're, we've been reduced to animals we've been we've allowed ourselves to be reduced to animals in the way that we knee-jerk respond to these situations mm -hmm. with aggression Man, the, all right well i think we could well, go so i'm so around and around and around <laughs> uh so before we close out this oh. conversation what are what are your takeaways what's the the last thing just, you want to get out just there one it we... always comes down to this for me you have to humanize these topics to be able to talk about them appropriately. So if you're going to talk about this online or it's going to be a part of your world, get to know some transgender people. Rachel Held Evans posted that uh, post and we'll link it in the show notes where she just cites the fact that the suicide uh, calls have gone up. But then she gives some stories of transgendered Christians of people who experience you know, their experiences and their stories. Get to know some people and start to think about how it might affect them. And realize that they need safety and protection just as much as your own kids do. Because some of them might be your own kids. Yeah. And along those same lines, um, think about how many times a day you go to the bathroom. How many times in public you need to go find a bathroom. And then think about every time a transgender or queer intersex person 
goes to use the bathroom in public, it's an act of like resistance and activism. Like I think about a friend of mine who's genderqueer, um, who doesn't identify, actually still identifies as female, but very much looks like a boy. And uh, she will go into male restrooms and I've seen her go in and out and I can see this look on her face like she's kind of studying herself for the possibility of an uncomfortable interaction. Um, but she feels more comfortable in general with this, with the identification of what the male bathroom means. But I realized watching this take place that she she sees it as an act of resistance to oppression to go ahead and use that boy's bathroom because that's her right as someone who has freedom of choice and freedom of their body. Right. And so to think about that, the act of the act of, a uh, of uh defiance that goes into that. And actually the fear that those people must feel even when they are being courageous in asserting their right to use a bath, to use the bathroom, to use the bathroom, <laughs> the bathroom, people <laughs> to use the bathroom okay so that's yeah. that's kind of where where it would like to like you said trying to get yourself into you know the personal mm-hmm. realm get away from the theory get away from the debates like the people the we people. know do exist yeah not the people that we make up in our minds that are taking advantage of these laws but the people that actually exist yeah that we know for a fact exist yeah 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 and i would i would say the same thing i mean humanize it and never start any conversation about a group of people that you're unfamiliar with by saying well i wouldn't because that's exactly (laughs) the wrong place to start because you can't compare your experience and your life to someone else's who's totally outside of the realm of the things that you've experienced so it's you have to take the time and the effort and put aside your ego and put on new lenses or at least try because you'll never 100 percent understand but you can at least gain enough insight to be you know what this this whole area needs to be rethought for me, and, and I'm in that process. And you're not going to give yourself the room for that process if you just spew out whatever you want and whatever you think because it doesn't match up with your life. Well, <sighs> so. our anger has been <laughs> slightly abated by talking about this. A Mine has bit. at least. <laughs> I think I feel like I'm slightly. a little more focused. Yeah. yeah. All right. Well, let us know what you think. If you have anything to add to this conversation specifically, you can do that at irenacast.com slash 61. And we'll also have links for some of the stuff that we talked about. And then anytime you have any questions, comments, or concerns for the show at all, you can do that and see all the ways to contact us at irenacast.com slash feedback. And finally, don't forget about our ongoing discussions happening right now on our Facebook group. That's facebook.com slash group slash post-evangelicals. And actually, the article that Alan mentioned earlier about the Rachel Hellett Evans, he posted that on this um, on this group for conversation. So if you have more to say about that, or you'd like to read that, go to that. And again, that's not connected to the show itself, but something that we want to provide sponsored by the show, I guess is a good way to put it. Service. Yeah. Yeah. To have ongoing conversations for those of you that are coming out of a, a very fundamental conservative evangelical background and trying to maintain your faith and look at it through new lenses. So that's an ongoing thing that we just started last week. So we encourage you to check that out. On the other side of the music, we will be bringing back a segment called Wacky News. This segment first appeared. I think we did this back in episode 18, our episode on heaven and hell. So basically how this works is pretty simple. We've each found two wacky news stories or news stories (laughs) that we find mildly to extremely hilarious and we figured it would be a good way to share and riff and all that kind of stuff i remember mona's one of mona's from (laughs) that episode she talked about firemen uh hosing off randy bulls and it's been in my (laughs) mind ever since (laughs) i'm glad i can make you think about randy bulls for an extended period of time thank you thank you (laughs) (laughs) i think I think that episode, that was the first time that at least two of us were in the same room. I, Mona, you were here for that one, right? Oh, yeah, yeah I was. Yeah. You were. And I yeah. uh, got to play with the girls. That was so fun. <laughs> yeah. Okay. So Wacky News Part 2. This this was on my request because after getting so pissed at the last part of the episode, uh, we need to do something like very silly. So Yeah. Can I go first? <laughs> yes, you may. I would like to share with you two recent, what I will call yeastivations which are innovations of the yeast variety the first you guys is that in gisborne australia there is a brewery making beer out of the yeast harvested from belly button lint 
Wow. <clears throat> That's gross. It, that, that brings a whole new meaning to the term beer belly. <laughs> that should be what they're oh calling it. Let's see if it has a name. Right? Uh, yeah. And if it's that's not, fantastic. <laughs> if it's not, then they're not very good marketers because that's the obvious They've way missed. to go. They've missed the that's boat. so funny. Yeah. It doesn't, it doesn't say what the name will be called, but anyway, that's pretty fantastic. Okay. So along with that, another yeast innovation that I'm excited about is that now a pizza place in New York is now making a pizza that comes in a box of pizza. They're making <laughs> oh, the edible box pizza. Edible I almost went with that one. I almost pizza. went with that one. That's disgusting. Oh my god! No, it's not. It's so awesome. I want it. No, that's brilliant. People are gonna. Yeah. Do they deliver it with plastic gloves? Because if not, I'm not interested. <laughs> you germaphobe. Uh, I'm sorry. Well, I don't want someone is, to put their hands in my mouth. It just doesn't it, feel right. <laughs> it cuts down on uh, on waste, which is so cool. It's environmentally oh, friendly. Oh my gosh. It looks so good. I'm staring at a picture of it right now. And I seriously, how does that work? Is it like the crust side is the outside? Yeah. I'm trying to figure it out. Yeah. And the inside is the pizza side. And well, the pizza rests on the pizza. So it's like you're going to have cheese on the bottom, you know? So I guess, you know, maybe they'll figure out. It's called a calzone. (laughs) No, it's not. No, it's a pizza box made of pizza. Okay. Okay. So those are my wacky news. I'm excited about both of those things. Although Very I don't nice. know if I would drink the beer, I might try it. But it's not going to. I would probably I'd try drink it. the beer before I ate the pizza. Honestly, <laughs> <Really>? <laughs> Alan's got somewhat of a point. Well, I I worked at pizza delivery for a good portion of my uh, early twenties, and you have and fond memories of that, Jeff. You used to talk. I about know it. what happens in the the transition of from the pizza place to the house, and Ew. it's not always Ew, what? pretty. No. <laughs> So if there's no box protecting that food, I I don't know. Wait, what kind of offense are we talking about here? It's just like the Toy Story car driving to deliver the pizza, and like the toys are flying around in the back. And the no, it's not just like that. The window. It's worse than that. It's, wor- it's worse than that. You're gonna have to be Jeff, well, because you have to think. Like you have to think first of all. Think of environment. Like not everyone keeps their car pristine and. Pizza delivery people do not. When was the last time you actually looked inside the person's You're car who delivered? You're but there's offensive. a protective casing. Is that like the the bag thing that protects? There's act- still. There's actually really cool pizza cars that are making that like open up the side. I saw it on Hulu. They're opening up the side of the car and it's like an oven, so it cooks Ooh. on the way to your house. I would I like. Part we we of had a pizza. we had a guy that would take the pizza pizza out of the oven and then slice slice it but one of his slices was super thin so he'd eat like a thin piece of pizza from every pizza that came out of the oven <laughs> hey that's just biblical eating a certain percentage that's... all right <laughs> well anyway okay my, right. my my wacky news uh one would be there's an ancient uh monk who was like 94 years old in 2012 he was put in a pottery jar. This is like a um, a religious thing. They will take monks who are meditating in a certain position, and this has been going on for a really long time, and they will encase them in pottery when they die. And this person just got removed from a pottery jar and covered in solid gold. So he's sitting in a meditating position in solid gold. It's pretty That's pretty awesome. amazing. I, I read a couple books about um, like – what happens to bodies after they die and like the, the dying process and then also the process of burial and cremation and stuff like that. It was really interesting. And uh, so it, it's just been on my mind. And I and I would think that being encased in solid gold forever is a good way to go. You know what I mean? Yeah, seriously. Yeah. <laughs> I always used to say that when I died, I wanted to be encased in a statue of myself. You have been saying that, Jeff. <laughs> you said that a long just, time ago. Oh, my God. Just because I hope, I hope, and this is the only reason that I want to do it, is that I hope that one day <laughs> I remember some this. rambunctious teenagers <laughs> will be uh, vandalizing the, a cemetery or something and accidentally break my statue and my corpse falls right <laughs> on top of them. Jeff, scares the crap out of him for the rest Jeff of Jeff told me that within the first year of knowing you, dude. Like, maybe 10 or 11 years ago, you told me that. That's You know awesome. what would be extra cool is if somehow they, like, just use your skeletons, but then, like, did paper mache on top of it. <laughs> did that just get too dark? <laughs> like, as a, like, as an art project? <laughs> I understand. Okay, okay. My, my second one that I was going to talk about, and I do have to say it real quick. I just came across a practice called cardening. This is where... You garden in your car. 
What? People will plant cardigan. <clears throat> gardening. People will plant like really water saving gardens, like some cactuses. <laughs> Although it seems a little dangerous, in like their dashboard or like the oh. area above, uh, you know, the passenger side where there's like this flat area. They will plant a garden. Oh, that's nice. Okay, so when it's you said cool. that, you know what I thought of is like, you know how in polo people like ride horses while they're like, you know, slapping the ball. I thought of like gardening, like you have a hoe and you like hang it outside your car window and you like shovel things while driving <laughs> by your garden. <laughs> you mean plowing? <laughs> plowing with your car. Yeah. You know, with your car. Yeah. Wait, wait was that your second news story? Did you Does jump it? the gun and just take your second turn right away? She did too. I was no, I did not. Suit. No, she they didn't. Went together. They were both yeast related. I did a mashup. Clearly. Oh, shoot. Well, there you go. I still have another one. I still have another one in the pocket. But I, I want to hear from Jeff okay. first. Yeah, so I, okay. I, uh, I shot the gun. Sorry. Cardin was it. <laughs> I like that. I'm, I'm going to do it, and I'm going to end up with like a cactus in my eye when I get into an accident. Yeah, but... you need to fix that properly. Get some epoxy. <clears throat> you know, I will endure some risk to be around plants, so... I'm fine. <laughs> I, I I'm not going to say anything. <laughs> All right, Jeff. All right. So usually we are very concerned with shortages. You know, like here in California, we have a drought. We have a water shortage. Mm-hmm. But we have another crisis in America, and it's not a shortage. But we have a stockpile of cheese. Really? Really? It's true. Yeah. We have, we have American cheese. We have too much cheese. It, the the <laughs> stockpile of unsold cheese has swelled to more than 1.2 billion pounds. So this is like Whoa! cloudy with a chance of meatballs for real life. Like there's just oh an God. island somewhere. That makes wow. me happy and sad that it's just sitting around somewhere not being loved. Like you need to get that cheese to the people. As an occasional vegan, that makes me really angry, but I'm not going to go there. I'll just you, let the You can't anger. get angry if you're an occasional vegan. That's not a thing. <laughs> <laughs> yes, it is. Yes, it is. They call it a flexitarian. Okay, that's what it is. Yeah, but you can't be outraged. Like you're not allowed. You have to pay your dues for that. I, I ate cheese today, but I'm angry that it exists. Okay, I can be an oxymoron. I'm allowed to be. Well, you can make the argument that it's vegans' fault that we have it's too much cheese. Not enough. Oh, because they're eating not. They're eating not it. eating it. Wow. Wow. It's true. It's this all this this almond milk craze has ruined our our country <laughs> and given only- us too much cheese. It's the only explanation. For Seriously, I won't get into it because it's supposed to be wacky and not serious. But cheese, it's... Okay, whatever. so the no, next let's one... Not get into <laughs> <it>. <laughs> All right. Look up the reasons so the, why it's bad, okay? No, I don't know. I'm not educate yourself. That. I like yes. cheese a lot. Me too. I buy fancy cheese, though, where the animals are treated nicely, so don't worry. Right. Okay. <laughs> the title is... Shh. Uh, Ignorance is bliss, my friend. Ignorance is cheesy okay, bliss. Right. The title of this new right. story is New York Man Slugged by Stranger for Looking Like Shia LaBeouf. <laughs> 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 hey, that deserves a punch to the face, just in and of itself. <laughs> a New York man, April 27th, New York. A New York man was punched in the face by a stranger at a train station, and his assailant told him the attack was because he looks, quote, Exactly like Shia LaBeouf. <laughs> that was it. <laughs> Understandable. Okay. That's... Man, can you imagine just being punched for just looking like someone else? That's so crazy. Oh, that's wonderful. And the, I love Shia the, LaBeouf. Uh, the he victim... does a lot of weird things. <laughs> the victim said, I want to know what Shia LaBeouf did to him. <laughs> <laughs> he created Transformer He must have done okay. something awesome, awful. Yeah. Mm-hmm. It's so funny. You know, Sh- I, Shia LaBeouf actually visited my youth group when I was a kid. Really? No joke. To do what? I to grew up in a. <laughs> I grew up in a really small town, and our youth group was really small, and like up in the mountains in a desert in California. And uh, I guess he had a grandfather that lived in the area, and we're talking a town of less than like six thousand people. And I was gone <clears throat> for a couple of weeks. And while I was gone in junior high, Shia LaBeouf came and visited for real and like made friends and caused some drama with people. There was a couple of girls who mm. liked him and, you know, maybe he's, things got weird. Maybe he, maybe, maybe he it was this guy. 
<laughs> maybe it was this guy who looked like Shia LaBeouf, and <laughs> maybe now he's so. getting punched for it. <laughs> anyway, all weird. right, Jeff, what's your last one? All right, well, I don't know how if either of you have an extra thirteen hundred dollars laying around, and if you do, and you happen to really like kebabs. Then there is a chef in London who is charging $1,300 for his kebabs. What? <laughs> Why? Yes. Is he using like mammoth meat from a thousand years ago or something? Do they allow you to like, fly? Well, he... W- <laughs> the mammoth kebabs meat? are made using... Oh I don't know. I, don't, I think it's a wagoi beef or mm-hmm. something. like. Wagu- I don't know how to pronounce it. Uh, tw- yeah. 25-year-old vinegar and a mix of fine ingredients. Like it just, it just has a yeast, mix of fine ingredients. Yeast from someone's belly yep. button. Thrown in there somewhere. Yeah. From yeah, Trila Buff's belly that. button. $1,300. <laughs> That's a lot of money for one kebab. That's so much mm. money. It is. Hey, people. Yeah. I'm it, says, selling, it says uh, that he's not he's not on some high horse because his kebabs are worth $1,300. He actually encourages <laughs> someone to do a better job. <laughs> and not in an I'd like to see you try kind of way, but in a super genuine and enticing kind of way. <laughs> Did he actually say high horse? That's what I want to know. If that's a straight Yeah, quote no, there's quoted him. <laughs> I would like to I'd pay so. thirteen hundred dollars just no. to meet that guy for real. <laughs> yeah. So there's even a video here on him so making his thirteen hundred dollar twelve hundred pounds, thirteen hundred dollars. So in case so you were he's wondering. saying make a better kebab than me, but not just to make a better kebab than me and show me up, right? Yeah, make <laughs> me one for less than thirteen hundred dollars. Oh, that's hilarious! Oh my word! It's on my it's on my life goal list to actually eat or drink something that's a hundred years old. That's, that's a but you won't touch an that... edible pizza box. <laughs> You're right. Yeah, seriously. Yeah, what has a hundred year old thing been through? Just think about that for a I don't minute. Know, alcohol that could be alcohol, which is probably way expensive, <clears throat> or like honey or something. Why there more was than a hundred years old? <laughs> <So>. <laughs> there was mammoth meat on sale for real back in the day, a couple years no. ago. They sold frozen mammoth meat that had been frozen for like thousands of years. They thawed it Whoa. out and cooked it up and sold it was for it a delicious? lot of money. What did it I, taste like? I have no idea. Man. Mammoth meat. Like That's success. That's gross. Like you know you've made it in life <laughs> when you can eat a mammoth. <laughs> yeah, and I, I've known for a while there's like burgers and stuff that they use mm-hmm. gold flakes and crap and desserts, but I've never heard of kebabs that cost more than a thousand dollars. Me neither. <laughs> That's crazy. I am People not are be nuts, man. Woefully unsatisfied with every kebab I eat. Thank you. Jeff. I would feel so guilty eating something that expensive that I would not be able to enjoy it. I'm not even joking. Probably. Even yeah. if I had the means to do it, even if that was a drop in the bucket, I would feel so guilty. Like this money could be doing something instead of just making me poop. So, yeah, that's <laughs> or, the same of the day. Or blocking up if you put a bunch of that extra cheese on it. Exactly. You are patronizing him to do his art because he sounds like he really loves his art. All right. Well, no, because do it doesn't even like I'm looking at this video. There's nothing artful about what he's doing. It's all about <laughs> the expensive ingredients. Like, so all those like Wall Street Bros can be like, you know what I did today? I dropped <laughs> it's the Instagram dollars too. on some. <laughs> yeah. They get to complain about it. The like, rich kids of Instagram. That's that's oh what that's God. serving right yeah, there. Yeah, that's totally what that is. Yeah, there's a market. <laughs> there's a market there. So all we have to do, you guys, is like make some stupid thing and then charge so much money for it. Um, that's <laughs> that's the new capitalist way. So we live in a world right now in a year where we are overturning <laughs> civil rights laws and uh, selling kebabs for over $1,300. Awesome. Well, and have way too much cheese. <laughs> Well, one go in five humans. people go to bed and hungry. And are wow. punching people because they look shy, look like Shia LaBeouf. You know what? Yeah, that actually makes me minds. happy. <laughs> we've lost our damn minds is what that means. But that's the one bright spot for me. In all you of got, this. You're happy. Wait. Because you love people, Alan. Because you, you love, love people. And you're a pacifist and you're happy that some <laughs> random guy got punched for looking like Shia LaBeouf? Yeah. It's just full of meaning and humanity. What? I have a feeling your story from youth group is more personal than you let on. Maybe uh, Shia LaBeouf took away a girl that you were interested in and you're still, still harboring bitter, still bitter. I'm still that bitterness. Yes. I'm heartbroken oh, no. I wasn't there. Yeah, that's why I'm angry at him. Maybe one day Shia LaBeouf will be on our show. Maybe. Shia LaBeouf, are you listening? Are you religious? Would you like to talk about it? <laughs> or we could just have you oh, on goodness. in total silence for an hour. because You can come to my like house. I'll make you some kebabs. <laughs> Uh, perfect. All right. 
I think that's it. That'll do it for we'll us. We'll put this it week. in the show notes. Go go watch the Shia LaBeouf song, everyone. The orchestra about Shia LaBeouf. If you've enjoyed anything that you've heard today, we encourage you and we sure to hope support you the show <laughs> by rating, <laughs> reviewing, and subscribing on your preferred preferred listening platform. If you've already done that, go to iranicast.com slash support for even more ways to show some love to the show, despite what we just said in this segment. So for this week, I'm Jeff. I'm Mona. And I'm Alan. Thanks for joining the conversation. Thank you.